you would open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3 again. 1 Peter chapter 3. Well, there's many excited wives who came today after being here last week with elbows ready to make sure their husbands are not asleep this morning. So we look at verse 7 of 1 Peter chapter 3. Let me back up to verse 1 and let's read for context's sake. Bring it forward to verse 7 this morning as we consider Christianity in the home, part 2, the husband's responsibility to cherish their wife. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives. As they observe your chaste and respectful behavior, your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart, with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands." Just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. In our consideration this morning, you husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Gracious Father, help us, particularly help us as men, that we would be the picture of Christ and His love to our wives. Father, we pray that our homes would reflect the beauties of the Lord Jesus, the transforming power of His Gospel, and the enduring legacy of faith working itself out in love. We pray that would be true of our homes so that our children and our children's children would live counter to their own flesh, counter-cultural to the world around us that is steeped in its own selfishness, And that heaven would tell a different story by those who are there because we have won them by our faith that has worked itself out in the way that we have loved and cared for our wives. Forgive us, Father, as men where we have failed to do this. Renew our commitment and our abilities this morning by the power of the Holy Spirit to do just that. To love our wives just as Jesus has loved us. We pray this in His precious name, because He is worthy of all imitation and adoration. Amen. Last week, again, we looked at 1 Peter 3, 1-6, and the significant opportunities that God gives to Christian wives in order to demonstrate what Jesus has done in the power of, their gospel, of the gospel by making them submissive and respectful to their own husbands. 
Now we come to the men, myself included. Men, your leadership position that God has tasked you with does not absolve you from your greater status as a servant. Let me say that again. Men, the leadership position that God has granted to you in your home, to your wife, to your children, does not absolve you from your greater status as a servant. Jesus is the greatest leader of all time. But there has been no greater servant than the Lord Jesus Christ in all of time either. We must be men who are servants of Christ and we will demonstrate that in the most astounding way when we serve our wives. How do we serve Jesus? How do we, how do we serve Christ? Serve your wife. Love your wife. Sacrifice for your wife. This is the greatest calling of any husband who has ever taken a bride. To love and to serve our wife. W.H. Bennett wrote this. The same Spirit, through the power of the Gospel, which made the wife quiet and meek in the previous verses, makes the husband kind and attentive in verse 7. And we may look at the the very volume of words that Peter gives to the wives and we may be tempted to think that the wives are the ones with a harder and heavier responsibility. But I would say to you this morning that no one carries a heavier responsibility and a more explicit accountability than we as husbands. We must lead by our love. We must lead in love. We must lead with love. Notice what Peter says, husbands, in the same way. What is he referring to? He's referring to submission. That's what this whole uh, subset, this whole mini-series within Peter is all about. It is about submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's about serving Christ. And in our call here, in the same way that We are submitted to Christ. We are to show that submission by loving our wives in such a way that that our leadership for her, not over her, but for her, is one for which we will give an account to God and one that will directly impact our relationship to God and one that will fundamentally shape the generation's coming out of our own homes. Just remember this, men. The way we love and serve our wives now, we are not only loving and serving her, we are teaching our sons how to love and serve their wives. How to live sacrificially for them. And I want you to notice something. While we may may see that the wife, well, she got more words, she must be harder and it must be heavier. Notice what is not said to the wife. It's not said of the wife that her prayers will be hindered if she fails, but it is said that to the husband. Man, we carry an explicit responsibility. One with the highest accountability where God is essentially saying, do you want a fellowship with me? You better love your wife. 
You better care for your wife. You better serve your wife. I don't deal with men who are tyrannical in their treatment of their wife. You are to love your wife. Husbands, we are to be the servants tasked with caring for one of Christ's most precious possessions and precious treasures. That is our wife. I know we get busy, we get lost in the fray of life and the day in and day out of life, but realize this, when we took our wife, we took one of Christ's most precious treasures. And she is not ours, she is His. We merely have the blessing and the joy of caring for something that belongs to Him more than it belongs to us and preparing her for the day when she meets Jesus. And meeting her every need that is required for that to be made a reality for her. We aren't CEOs. We are not tyrants to be served. We are not drill sergeants to be obeyed. We are not a celebrity to be be fond over. We are servants. And if we miss that, we miss the Christian life. Because we will inevitably treat our wives poorly. And that will affect your Christian life. It will directly impinge upon your ability to fellowship with God. And I want you to notice in this one verse, Peter gives us two keys that fulfill one command. He gives us two ways to fulfill one command. And you see the command very early on in the verse. We, in the same way, are to live with our wives. Again, Peter's clear in its context, but it needs to be said, especially in the culture in which we live. This is a monogamous, heterosexual relationship in which Christian husbands are to devote themselves. Live for her. And only her. Keeping to her only so long as you live, some of you said in your wedding vows. It's a command. That has no ending except death itself. Not hard times. Not hard to get along with personalities. Not personal. Until death parts us, husbands, we have a biblical obligation to love our wives, to serve our wives, and to joyfully submit to Christ by caring for her in that way. It's a particular way that Peter has in mind that this life ought to to play itself out. It's comprehensive. It's from sun up to sundown. It is in every facet of life. It is total in its makeup. The, The present tense of the verb that Peter chooses to live here or I should say the present tense of the participle that Peter uses here, communicates a constant, ongoing action. In other words, the husband, it's not just live with your wives, it is live for your wives. Wrapped up in living for her, for the needs of your wife. Not only are you meek in that you think of yourself less than you think of her, but you are thinking of her most, more than anything else on this earth. How do I serve her today? How do I meet her needs today? And men, I would just say this, is talking to you man to man, with your wives there to take notes for you. There's a real danger in compartmentalizing our lives of service as husbands. 
Peter says, live with your wives at all times. Our wives are not uh, commodities that are scheduled for regular times of maintenance. And that as so long as her need falls within those regularly scheduled windows of time, then we will meet those needs. You know, as, as men, our wives ought to take priority over everything else in life. Earth, humanly speaking, and from an earthly perspective, our wives have any time access to us. There's never a time she can't call. There's never a time she can't ask for help. There's never a time when we are not there to be a shoulder to cry on, to be a partner to pray with, or just generally to serve and help her. She should know that. Men, by our communication and by our demonstration, it is part of living with your wife at all times. One scholar has translated this as making a home for your wife, to be a laborer for her, to create an environment for her in which she may flourish and grow to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's not as though we say, and we can say this certainly in the culture, there's not very many good examples of that. Hollywood's done us no favors. The men in movies and sitcoms are the slobs, the jokes, the selfish, sluggish, Individuals who don't serve their wives. And, and that, unfortunately, has bled into so many parts of our society. Maybe you grew up in a home where, where your father did not model that for you. And how sorry and, and heartbroken I am for that. And some of you know that pain, and it is real. But men, we do have an example. His name is Jesus. Jesus came. And His very life, His very coming was for His bride. Think about that. When Jesus came, He came for one purpose and one purpose only. To take for Himself a bride and make her the highest priority. She was the cause of Him leaving heaven. She is not a priority of Jesus. She is the priority of Jesus. Jesus had no other calling but to seek and to save the lost and to assimilate them into his bride she is the highest earthly priority for jesus just as our wife ought to be for us our wives are our ministry that's why the apostle paul labors so much about the character of the man who is an elder pastor more than he does the abilities of the man who is the elder pastor He is to be uniquely qualified, and at the heart of that is his home. She is your ministry. And that's not just for pastors and elders, that is for every man. Peter says, live with your wife. Be absorbed in living out your life for her. She is your ministry. She is your course of study. She is your hobby. She is your investment portfolio. You are pouring into the precious gift of Jesus that he entrusted you with for this short time of life. We don't have long. We don't have long. You talk to people who've been married for, you know, a number of years. My mom and dad just celebrated 50 years last summer. And the more I talk to people who 
have been married a long time, the more they tell me, boy, it went by fast. We don't have much time, men, to live for our wives, to prepare her for heaven, to prepare her for Jesus. Like Jesus, you brought her into your life. Maybe you didn't realize this at the time that you married her, but you brought her into your life to live for her. You took on a ministry at the wedding altar to love her and to serve her and to give yourself to your wife whom God has given you. Peter says that's the command. Now let me help you accomplish that by giving you two keys to unlock that combination. Now that may look overwhelming to us, men. But like so many things in Scripture, it is intended in part to look overwhelming so that we understand we don't accomplish that by our own strength. We need Christ. We need His Spirit in order to do these things. I know how selfish I am. My wife can tell you how selfish I can be. My kids can tell you how selfish. It is a battle. And none of us have reached perfection in that. But we are given what seems to be the impossible task so that Christ's power might be seen in us and not us ourselves. That His surpassing greatness might be known, not ours. God gives us the keys to accomplish this through the power of a changed heart. As Christ has has changed us, as Peter has made great strides to talk about in Chapter 1, verse 1 through chapter 2, verse 12. And Peter says, here's how you begin. Here's the tool God provides you with. Husbands, do you have a brain? Yes, we have a brain. Can you think? Yes, we can think. Can you observe? You have two eyes. Yes, we can observe, Peter. Then it's a simple principle. Be studious, husbands. Notice what he says. Live with your wives in an understanding way. Study your wife. Peter says, make her the, the, the object of your study. We will stand before God, men, and we will give an account for our leadership. We will give an account for our love. We will give an account for how well we knew our wives, how well we understand them. The batting average of Babe Ruth won't matter on that day. How much we knew about this, that, or the other won't matter, but we will need to give an account to God for how well we heeded this command, this key to know our wives in order that we might live with and love them more perfectly. Men, we should be studious. Our wives, no wives, no listen. This doesn't mean that you make your husband guess. Communication is still a two-way street. And certainly, we want you to feel free to express your needs. Help us understand you. Help us to know you. And, and the longer we're married, the more that happens. You know, those those early years and those... Shall we call them intense moments of fellowship? Often arise because we simply don't know. We're learning. We have failed to grasp some key piece of understanding into our wives that causes friction. 
Peter says you are to spend your life living with her in an understanding way. So that men, our goal is to be that our wives should have to express her needs less and less because we've studied her to the point we know them more and more. Because we love her, because we want to know her. We don't want to just finish her sentences. We want to know her needs before she knows she has them. We want to love her in so uh, complete a fashion that we don't need to be told how to date our wives. Because we know how she wants to be dated. We know how she wants to be loved. We know how she wants to be cared for. We know what speaks into her soul. It's not only that we are one in flesh, it is that we become one in mind. And the wise and godly and studious husband will seek to make it his life's ambition to know her, to love her, and what he finds there. He'll know her, he'll love her, even in her needs. Even in the parts of imperfection and Rough edges, just as we have. We will love her and study her and we'll know her strengths, her weaknesses, her sorrows, her joys. And we'll seek to meet those and to re- help refine her and strengthen her for the day when she stands before Jesus. Why, do, why must we do that? Notice what Peter says. And this is where the world will push back and balk at what Peter says. Because she is a weaker vessel. She's a weaker vessel. Peter says, you are to live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone who is weaker. The terminology is phrased so that what Peter is focused on is not her worth that is weaker, rather her constitution, how she is wired and how she is made. One commentator has translated it from the Greek as this, since she is wifely of the female element. She's just different. She's tender. Her design is intricate and beautiful, but it is at the same time delicate. Like every other fallen human being, men, women, it doesn't matter. There are limits to her constitution and there are limits to her makeup. I'm thankful to be convinced of the truth and to preach to a group of people who are convinced of the truth that women aren't men. It's crazy that we would even have to think that, but here we are. I I praise God my wife is not a man. Nor does she think of herself like a man. That, that, That you ladies in our church understand that you are different than men. There are different limitations, just as there are different limitations to men. And so Peter is not disparaging her character. He is not disparaging her value. He is simply communicating something that should be obvious. Women aren't men. There are limitations to them physically, emotionally. Their their makeup is completely different. She isn't us, men, so don't expect her to be us. And therein lies a lot of our friction. That's part of knowing her. Knowing what she can handle and cannot handle. Knowing when to 
broach certain subjects with her and how to broach those subjects with her and knowing how to talk to her in a way that is not offensive or hurtful to her knowing her our society with the great spiral downward we have in this sexual identity rebellion that we are in and this is where we as christians dare not allow ourselves to go down this road of buying into it because rather than creating servants of things more desired and delicate this movement seeks to eliminate the christ-like picture of a servant by making everything equal You see, if everything's equal, you don't have to be a servant to your wife. If she's equal with you in every respect, again, not in value, but in constitution, if she's equal with you, then treat her like one of the guys. That does not require anything of us. But what does require something of us is to say this is a delicate treasure that I must Die to myself and learn how to serve like Jesus served. Because it isn't natural. The lie of total equality is destroying the image of Christ in the servanthood of husbands. Again, let me affirm. Equal in value, not equal in constitution. Men and women are not equal in their makeup even though they are equal in value. Let me give you an example. My pickup truck has value. It, it, it has value. It has brute value. It can pull things. It can push things. It can carry things. It can take a beating. And it can keep going. And when I bought it, it had a value assigned to that. Because of what it can do. By the flip side, there are auction houses where I could have gone and spent the same amount of money to buy some antique vase. See, I'm cultured. That had the same price tag, but is incapable of anything that my truck can do. Both have the same price tag. But that little vase cannot even take a strong squeeze, let alone driving over a bumpy Dirt road in West Texas. It would shatter into a million pieces. Both equal in value, but not equal in makeup. Christian husband, our part of knowing our wife is understanding these differences without changing her appraised value. Now listen to what Satan will do. Satan will come and Satan will sell you the lie of chauvinism. That says because she's not brute strength. She's lesser in value because she has no practical value. She's worth less. That is a lie. As much as the lie of conflating men and women, there is the lie of chauvinism as much as feminism. And Peter is striking at both of those in these verses. Know your wife. Do not change her appraised value just because she is different. Understand the delicate and yes, even weaker constitutions in some areas. You are to love her for those and serve her because of those, not in spite of those. We're quickly losing that in our society. It used to be that young men were trained and they loved 
to feel the role of protector, of provider, of leader, of caregiver to the that that was how they were we were raised. But those days are gone. And it's a begrudging loving of our wife in and we, we love her in spite of, not because of those differences, where Peter calls us, hey, because of those differences, love her, serve her. Notice that Peter also does not assign to the husband the task, or not the task, but the status of complete strength. Notice what he says, as someone weaker. Peter doesn't say, hey, husband, you are so strong. You are the epitome of strength. He says, you're weak, she's just weaker. That's the language. You're weak, she may be a little weaker, but don't forget, you're also weak. You're not the perfect embodiment of strength either. And you need her as much as she needs you. We aren't supermen, we are dependent men. Dependent on Christ, dependent on the Holy Spirit to love our wives as they ought to be loved and cared for. So know her as the complex, intricate, delicate, valuable gift that she is in God's creation made specifically for your home. Second aspect of her delicacy is her submission. What is Peter also getting at? Peter is also saying this. Not only are you to know her and Love her because of the differences. You are to love her and treat her delicately delicately and understand her because she is submissive. A godly wife is to be treated with extreme tenderness and understanding because she has placed herself in a very vulnerable position of being submissive to you. Do not abuse your position. Do not run roughshod over her by saying, well, God calls you to be submissive. That is a terribly sinful outlook of men. That is godless. Men are to love. We are to take extra precaution, extra care, because she is in a position where we could very easily harm her by taking such a godless attitude a pagan husband may not see that as important but a christian husband has no choice but to see that peter leaves no wiggle room for us do not take advantage of her submission and lord it over in fact that's one of the qualifications of an elder in first peter chapter five we'll get there an elder must not be one who lords it over god's church Flexing in the mirror, as it were. Beating their chest and saying, I am man. You will submit. No, we must not lord it over her. We must, must treat her with a, an informed, proper understanding of who she is and what she is. And I think most of you understand that. If you don't, take this to heart. Second key Peter gives us is this. Not only are we to live with our wives, we are to live with them in a way that honors her. So number one, we we are to understand them. Number two, we are to honor them. The more we understand should lead to more honor. Notice that Peter doesn't begin with honor and then go to knowledge. He starts with knowledge 
and moves to honor. The more you know them, the more you honor them. Care for them. Meet their needs. And this is not sterile respect. This is, this is not the begrudging respect of a recruit in boot camp that he gives to the drill sergeant because he has to or else it's on to the grinder for him. This is a willing, kind, studied, honorary status we give them. The Christian husband's conclusion, having studied her, having known her, should never be that our brides are something to be the brunt of jokes or of coarse treatment, but rather of honor at the highest level, of esteem. John Calvin once remarked, and I love this. He said that all jokes about marriage are from Satan. He found no humor in mocking one's wife or husband. All jokes about marriage were from Satan. We are to hold our wives in the highest regard. Not begrudgingly, not sterilely, but with warm affection to honor her. But it's even stronger than we might expect. In fact, it is a proactive statement. We honor our wives by, literally, the word means to supply them. The idea of supplying them with what is due to their unique and and precious stature before God and before us. We are to give them. The Greek word literally means an honorarium or compensation. We are to bestow upon them what is worthy of their Makeup and their position within the home. Such that one commentator says, this is the husband's responsibility to meet all of your wife's needs and conveniences. Not only what she needs, what do you like? Well, what would make your life better, honey? How can I serve you? What, what can I do to help you? Tell me. I want to know. I want to, I'm eager to meet those needs. What follows is very sobering. Having known her, having shown her honor in that way, we are tied to our relationship with God. Our relationship to our wives Tied to that is the reality that it is occurring in the context of being joined together, not only in the temporal bonds of this life, but in our spiritual life as well. Our responsibility to her rest and our joint status with her as heirs together of the grace of life that is in Christ. We stand with her, not apart from her, before the Lord. We, we are joined with her. She is our responsibility, but she is so because she is part of Christ's body with us. Men, our wives stand as our equal before Christ with us. She is not under us. She is beside us. She is not over us. She is beside us. We stand together as heirs together of the grace of life. We belong together to Christ. Now, that ought to change our thinking. 
Your wife has the same status that you do before Jesus. You won't answer for your wife, she'll answer for herself. She she has the same access to the Father through the Son. She stands with you in that, not apart from you, not subservient to you. Same grace, same salvation, same hope, same status. Remember that in Christ there is no male or female. No Jew or Greek, no bond or free, no rich or poor, no young or old. There's no distinction in Christ. And Peter reminds us, hey, listen, your your relationship to your wife, this honoring her, should be done in light of the fact that she stands equal with you in Christ. And therein ought to end every tinge of feminism or chauvinism. Being in the presence of Christ together is a humbling thing. Men, We will stand with our wife before Christ. And He will simply measure, was your love for your wife, was your devotion to your wife on par with my love for the church? Did you take her as a wife in order that you would live for her and die for her and sacrifice for her? That's what I did. And now she stands with you. D. Edmund Hebert says, in their personal standing before God, there is equality. They are accepted by God on the same basis in Christ. Part of our studying and part of our honoring is that when we look at our wife, we don't just see our wife. Our children's mother. We see a sister who has been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And we look at her as that precious one for whom Christ left heaven. Does that change your thinking about her? It should. Peter says you're heirs together of the grace of life. If we miss the mark in our treatment of her, the next statement becomes frightfully true. If we fail to honor her as that fellow heir of the grace of life, we find this to be true. The Father will exercise His judgment on us. We've mistreated His daughter. Now, I'm the father of a daughter. And I kind of feel that now. I felt it wanting to train my sons to never mistreat the young lady who some father would give away to him at the altar someday. But now I feel that acutely as a father. You mess with my daughter, you won't have problems for very long. The Heavenly Father says to us as Christian husbands, that is my daughter. You mistreat her. Your access to me will be hindered. Mark it down. Do you want to talk? Treat your wife right. Love your wife. You may, men, we may have removed our wives from her earthly father's authority by marrying her, but we have never and will never remove her from her heavenly father's care. He will care for her. It may be that he has to punish us for not doing it. 
He's given to us that task. He will always care and exercise authority over her and us. So we had better bring her home all the way to heaven in a manner worthy of his high standards of care and preparation. When she arrives in heaven, will she be the better for us, having been her husband? Or will it have been a journey of sorrow for her? We better bring her home. Just like an earthly father, you better bring her home the same way you take her out. God the Father, you better bring her home. More like Jesus. More cared for, more loved. Because you were her husband. The life of God's Son flows in her veins. She has inherited His name, His righteousness, just as we have. And so Peter closes with that astounding warning. Your prayers will be hindered. Your fellowship with the Lord, with the God Almighty of the universe is on the line to fail in our duties to our wives is to interrupt. It doesn't say we lose our salvation, but you will lose fellowship. I want to ask you to raise your hands, but how many of us have felt the pain of interrupted fellowship with the Father? Not a pleasant place to be a miserable place to exist we must not interrupt that fellowship men we depend upon him he is our life he is the source of our life and our strength do we really want to jeopardize that perhaps so many christian men like power with god because they like proper care for their wives why is there no power in Christianity anymore? Why is there no power in the church? Why is the church weak? Why? Well, maybe one reason of many is that we don't love and serve our wives like we should. Maybe there are interrupted prayer lives far more than we might want to think. No earthly father gives the time of day to a man who mistreats his daughter. Why would a heavenly father be any different? There are some variant translations of this that would indicate that the husband may try praying at first, but eventually will cut himself off and just cease praying altogether because it's like hitting a ceiling when you pray. It's apostasy by neglect. It's a falling away by neglect. It's a falling away because of inappropriate domestic care. Men, this isn't browbeating. This is our greatest opportunity. It's our greatest opportunity to show that we are not merely leaders, but we are servant leaders. Emphasis on servant. That we are servant lovers. That we are servant providers. That we are seeking to be Christ's representative to our wives. To love them as He does. And to serve them. Again, lest we think this is an overwhelming task, be reminded that God gives us the tools. He gives us the strength to accomplish it. If we will submit ourselves and bring ourselves under His teaching and under His conviction and care, then His Holy Spirit can produce the fruit in us that allows us to then be the husbands we ought to be. It's a call that can only come through the finished work of Jesus Christ changing our heart. His Spirit indwelling us, producing fruit in us. You cannot do this on your own, men. 
You can't, you won't, and it will create more problems when you try. This must be a Christ-wrought effort, a Spirit-wrought effort in us. We must humble ourselves and confess our sins, both to our wives and to the Lord. We must seek help where we are weak. And when we do that, Christ fills. The Spirit fills and strengthens us to walk in obedience to these commands. And the more we depend upon Him, the more fruit He will produce in us for our wives. Men, we're all selfish. Ladies, so are you. But we talked to you last week. We're all selfish. And only Jesus died to forgive and remove that selfishness that brings about the hindrance in our marriages. Out of love for our wives, of love for Christ, let us humble ourselves in dependence upon Him to serve and to love them in a way that honors Christ. Think about this, what Satan created as the battle of sinners back in the garden. Not the battle of sexes, but the battle of sinners. What Satan created back then in the garden as a barrier, Christ overcame at the cross and displays His overcoming work in the trophy case of marriage. It's the greatest place for Christ to demonstrate His grace. It's the greatest place to show what Christ has overcome in the sins of His creatures. That's how husbands and wives love each other, both submit to Christ, and fulfill their God-ordained roles. May the Lord help us to do this because we cannot do it ourselves. May we as men commit ourselves to pursue Christ in our marriages. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. I pray, Father, that starting with me and with every other man here this morning, that there would be a renewed commitment to love You, to love Your Son, to depend upon Your Spirit. And may we know we are doing that by our increased love, our increased knowledge, our increased honoring of our wives. Father, where we have failed, give us humility to repent and seek forgiveness and restoration with them. Father, would You give us hearts that are increasingly less attracted to other things that would draw us away from our full devotion to them. Whether they are overtly sinful things or whether they are selfish things that just grab our fleshly attention may those things become of lesser value to us and may our wives outside of christ become the supreme value in our lives father may our sons be trained in this way of thinking may we teach them not only with our words but with our lives to honor their mothers to learn how best to honor and love and serve their wives as they grow and as they become the next generation of leaders in your kingdom. May we be faithful to pass that on to them as well. We love you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the forgiveness that you offer 
that we can be different and that this can become our reality as Christian husbands. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.